0: On this episode of Of Mechs and Men, Duke Recall gets stuck in traffic, Grayson demonstrates combat loss grouping, and it gets steamy when Rachan crashes the party and brings down the roof. Hello, this is Of Mechs and Men, a Battletech book club. I am Kanan Hill, joined, as usual, by my two good friends, Brent. I'm Brent. And Aaron. It's me, Aaron. What's going on, boys? I think I'm a bit
1: of
2: an underground body of water coming to the surface myself. Well, that's good, because this week we're covering chapter 31 all the way to the end of the book, wrapping up. What we've been working through. The Price of Glory by William H. Keith Jr. Let's get into it.
0: Chapter 31. We open with a scene of Grayson... Back in the Central Depot. We see the damaged Legion mechs. They're racked up in their gantries getting worked on. So we get some more gantries here. That's nice. We love gantries.
2: Sick gantry action. (laughs) Gantry chat.
0: Grayson is talking to Allard King. And King is giving Grayson a damage report. He's telling him that the Archer should be ready soon. But the Phoenix Hawk and the Shadow Hawk will take at least a couple of hours. Both Hawks. They need some more time. Grayson, he's looking around at all the Star League mechs that are here. And he's thinking about how funny it is that they're surrounded by all these weapons, but they don't have time to set them up and use them. There's so much good stuff here. There's all this old Star League stuff, but he's like, it's sad. We can't even use it. We just got to use our old busted stuff. It would take too much time to get it all ready and like get them armed and get them set up with the pilots and whatnot.
1: The smell, though, I can smell like the mothballs from here. You know what I'm saying?
2: <laughs> yeah. Well, in Rachan earlier in the novel, when talking about like, oh, if they get in there, it won't balance the power too much because all those things are going to be unarmed. It, they won't be able to use the mechs. So he was right on the point with that one.
0: Allard King is asking Grayson about the situation up there, and Grayson tells him what's happened so far. They've taken out six mechs, but it's not enough. And he knows that this next battle is going to hurt. He knows that some of his people are going to die. And he's wondering who it's going to be. He does, though, there's a bit, he feels a tinge of relief that Lori's mech won't be ready in time for the battle. But then he immediately feels guilty about having the thought. He's like, oh, well, Lori won't be there. And then he's like, oh, that's messed up. This means someone else is going to die instead. Grayson, he's telling King that Langsdorf still has about 20 mechs against their six well currently they have six they have four from the drop ship coming plus lori and cheryl if they get them ready in time and he's telling allard he's like i think we're going to lose this one i'm gonna be honest with you but i need you for a special assignment and this is where grayson tells allard king that he wants him to make a copy of the library because he's been thinking about it and grayson's like you know I think Comstar is here to destroy it because Grayson realized that it doesn't make any sense for Comstar to be here just to lay claim to these weapons. They didn't even bring stuff to take him with. They didn't even bring a bunch of dropships and stuff. It's just like the dude's just here. So he's like, they must be after the library. Right. And Grayson puts
1: it all together. What the readers he already does. know.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, he totally does. And Allard, ask Grayson, he's like, I mean, if Comstar wanted the library files, they could have just asked you about it, right? Once you got the landhold, and Grayson's like, exactly. Because they don't want anyone to know about it. They want to destroy them, and they don't want anyone to even know that it exists. They're trying to keep it a secret. Grayson, then he gives him his, like, tinfoil hat theory. He's like, listen, I think that Comstar is actually intentionally obscuring the knowledge of lost tech from the rest of humanity as a way to maintain power and control over the inner sphere, dude. That's why it's so important that we got to get this information off world.
2: Yeah.
1: He does point out that whether it's the act of this one lone Comstar percenter or in effect, an act coming down from the entirety of Comstar Either way, Grayson's got to do something or feels obligated to do so.
2: And I like the idea that Grayson's making that plan. He's put all that together and he's essentially leveraging the lives of the Great Death Legion. It's like the only way we could consider this a win is if we undo their plans. Even if it means the mech lance of the Great Death Legion isn't around to see it happen.
0: Yeah, It
1: effectively neutralizes what Comstar intends to do here yeah if the Great death can be successful in this measure there isn't really a reason out, except out of maybe resentment to continue on with their attack grayson's already kind of feeling like this is a losing battle this is really kind of a hail mary
2: yeah and when i was reading it i took it more in the realm of grayson was looking to clear the great death legion from annihilation because he's looking at the entire unit, not just the mech warriors. He's like, we're the only ones that can buy enough time for them to get it off planet. But until it's off planet, we all have a target on our back.
0: He brings up the point. He's like, they have that whole weird religion thing going on. They're always muttering incantations and whatnot. He's right. He's like, they're trying to obscure knowledge. And he's like, think about it. They would have way less power if other people could build. HPGs and send messages and stuff. He's like, I get it now. All this weird stuff they're doing—it's like this attempt to like consolidate and hold their power over the inner sphere. He's right, absolutely. Grayson tells Allert that he'll try his best to buy him as much time as he can, but he's got to take his six mechs up against Langsdor forces, so it probably won't be that much time. Like, he's like, we're not going to last that long, honestly. But Allard has to get the memory core onto the dropship and get away. That's of the highest priority. So you got to make the copy. you got to get out of here. Allard tries to protest, but Grayson's like, no, that's an order. you got to do it. And he runs to get in his marauder.
1: There's also something else that comes out in this narratively, which is Grayson's out of tricks and he really is. Mm-hmm. At this point, Langsdorf, there are troops alive and in retreat that can report back as to what happened and it, the cats out of the bag that they have some way of getting around through these passes. So it's unlikely Langsdorf is going to make the same mistake a third time.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So now we're in the Nagayan Canyon. So this is that third Avenue. It's broad and flat. Okay. It's rimmed by steep and rocky bluffs and the river flows through here. And so in order to get mechs through it, you have to cross the water. It's not particularly deep, but it's not consistent. Some parts are shallow. Some parts are deeper. You have to take your time. You have to pick your way across it. So it does slow you down a bit. And Grayson is here with his mechs. And McCall radios in to say that he's got a reading on a spotter plane overhead. Yeah, he's like, oh, got one overhead. So they got their eyes on us. So that means that they'll be here soon. He's right. It doesn't take long. The Merrick forces appear, and they begin looking for a shallow place to cross. The Legion can see them, but they don't start shooting. They're holding their fire. They're just watching. I like this. Grayson sees that there's a Warhammer here, and for a moment he wonders. He's like, "Oh, is that Langsdorf?" But he like zooms in on. He's like, "No, no, it's a different one. It's got like different armor patches and like rust spots and stuff. It's not him." You get a little section where the writer talks about how each mech has like its own kind of character based on like the damage it's taken and stuff. It's like my Toyota. <laughs> it's the only one like it. I'm the only one with this dent. All right. So this scene is cool, right? If you remember, most of the Merrick forces are busy crossing the river. That's when Grayson gives the order to fire. But it turns out that while they weren't looking, the Legion infantry had emptied 12 50-liter drums of CSF Onto the surface of the water. That's concentrated synthetic fuel, Jerry. And so (laughs) they don't shoot at the mechs right away. They shoot at the surface of the water. And the river becomes like a raging inferno. Like this sea of flame. It's so sick. Grayson's like, fire. It's like, boom. And like the fire goes off. And it's like this kind of nice little canyon turns into like this hellscape. In like an (laughs) instant. There's like a raging inferno. And it's so cool. Grayson describes it wasn't to like kill them all with fire because they're in the water, they're mech. He doesn't think that that would work. The idea here was simply to divide the enemy forces, to separate the front half from the back half.
1: It's just a smaller version of his bigger overall plan, which is to divide them between these three valleys and then in this valley, divide up the larger force here so he can more easily deal with them. Totally. He's doing everything he can think
0: of. It's awesome. He's so tricky. It's it's, (laughs) it's all these little tricks. It's very effective. However, a wasp, a shadow hawk, an archer, and a wolverine have made it across, and they begin moving to engage. And so the last scene, you see the Legion mechs and these mechs, and they have like the wall of flame behind them, and they start closing Mm -hmm. in on each other, and then the chapter ends with the Legion mechs closing in
2: for the fight. And I like how Keith changes the tone so quickly from where we wrapped up last episode with the two big battle wins on Grayson's side to the realization of those two battles. They looked good. They felt good. But it wasn't what we needed to really sink this one in for the GDL's favor. Yeah. But at this point, you can see that shift in mindset for him where he's going from we're going to win this whole battle, too. We're going to win what we want to do. We're going to divide them up. We're going to make them take as much time as they can to push through us.
1: Grayson's now in, how can we sacrifice as little as possible to continue yeah. to get a good outcome here? He realizes he's not going to get out scot-free. He's got to exactly. give up something. and
2: Himself included.
1: Exactly. I think the real victims here are everyone that lives downstream of this river though.
2: <laughs> oh yeah, the fishing's gonna be in a bad spot for a little yeah. while.
1: Luckily lighting on a fire probably it did some to like cleanse the water.
0: Listen, listen, we're on helm. What's a little more environmental damage gonna do? Yeah, we're all it's it's fine.
2: A little CSF. the fish just got over the radiation a few years ago (laughs) (laughs) they're very large fish most
1: of them only have one head yeah yeah
0: they can can handle a little (laughs) csf it'll be okay this is cool this you don't actually get the fight in this chapter unlike the others it ends the scene closes with like the two mech forces like beginning to engage each other
2: I saw this when I was reading it as such a cool, like, scene to envision where you've got the Grey Death Legion in a nice firing line on the other side of the river. And if you're looking from behind them into the river and you see the wall of fire as they all kind of stand there ready for the fight, and you see these four mechs, the Merrick mechs, crossing over through the fire towards them. It's just, it's a good setup for the end of an episode that you can see, like, the next episode, the battle begins.
0: So... It's really cool. We get another little grace and trick. We get the fire, the mechs closing in. And we know that he's established this in itself is kind of a diversion in itself. He said, like, what we're trying to do up here is just fight them long enough that Allard King can finish his job down there. He's like, Absolutely. so what we're trying to do is, like, keep them going for as long as we can. We're trying to survive. Like, all we're trying to do is, like, survive for as long as we can so that Allard King can make a copy of that library.
1: The objective has changed, again, from getting out of Dodge to getting that core off-world.
0: Yeah, we don't actually see if they survive the battle by the end of this chapter. They just kind of close in for the fight, and they're like, until next time. And I'm like, wait, it's going to happen. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and we'll have to find out if Grayson's can scrounge up any more tricks to buy more time in the next chapter.
0: Chapter 32. This chapter opens with Duke Recall's dropships arriving, including Duke Recall. And Grayson comes out to meet him, along with Ilsa Martinez. And uh, Duke Recall barely makes it down the ramp before Martinez starts (laughs) shouting at him about how he can't be trusted how the Corita bastard wasn't at the rendezvous. He wanted the raid to raid the fail Grayson. It's all his fault. He's She's just like
2: screaming.
1: <laughs> I like to think someone's like holding her and she's like pointing yeah. you know, yeah. at yeah. the large man walking down the ramp.
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs> when I was reading it, I just saw that uh, meme with the ladies yelling at the cat and Ilsa yeah. Martinez is like reaching <laughs> over the top of Grayson, oh, pointing yeah. at him, screaming <laughs> at him. <laughs> and two <laughs> calls like, I'm here. <laughs> yeah. Uh-oh. Recall,
0: of course, sharp as ever, dressed in habitual reds. That's what it says, <laughs> habitual reds, trimmed with black and gold at cuffs and collar. All so right. no
1: longer silver, black and gold, yeah. changing yep. it up.
0: He's looking good. He doesn't have the whole costume on, right? But he seems yeah. like, this is his like day outfit. This is his normal reds. He's <laughs> just like, oh, come on. He asked her if he, like, oh, you know, don't you care to hear my side of it? Grayson's like, all right, all right, let's hear him. And the recall then goes on to tell Grayson and Ilsa that he tried to leave Helm down that same night that he was hanging out with Grayson and Allard after they left in the hovercraft. But by that time, Duke Garth had arrived and had shut everything down, right? Full platoons guarding each gate. Whole city was on lockdown. And he had to wait until General Clyder arrived and for the curfew to be lifted. And by that point... He had missed his appointment. All he could do was meet up with the rest of his ships and come here. And Ilsa just turns to Grace and like, you're not going to believe that, are you? And <laughs> this is, they get so snippy. Recall's like, you're free to check in with someone in town to corroborate the story, but uh, that's a little out of the way for you, isn't it? And Ilsa's like, conveniently for you. And is like, whoa, 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 whoa. Come on, come on. He tells Martinez, he's like, listen, look, go cool off. Go prepare the Phobos for liftoff. She stomps off angrily. This seems
2: awesome.
1: <laughs> I mean, she's right to be angry. Yes.
2: <laughs> yeah. And I like how much Duke Recall loves the fact that she's angry. Like yeah. he doesn't try to diffuse <laughs> the situation no. at all. He's just like, "No, I mean, I got stuff to say too." Yeah. He just
0: yeah, he, he does escalates. Yeah. He's, yeah. He's like, "Oh, why don't you check in a town?" "Oh, wait, you can't." <laughs> <laughs> It's true. She stomps off, and Grayson looks at Recall for a while, and he's just like, Well, Your Grace, do I trust you? And Recall, <laughs> I love this line. He tells him, He's like, I'm here to offer my services if you want to avail yourself of them. But trusting me? Grayson, Death Carlisle, even I wouldn't go that
2: far. <laughs> it's just so funny to me that Duke Recall. Just shows up, and he's like, hey, it's me. And it's like, your
1: problem now. Yep. Yeah.
2: <laughs> I'm here to help, but not all the time.
0: <laughs> and like, Grayson's like, huh, good point. So he points up in the mountain. He tells Recall, okay, here's the situation. We found the cash, but if you want the stuff, you got to start working right away. There's some hovercraft. We got some prime movers, those big old trucks. You know, load some stuff on those. Start moving them out because, we. I mean, we're talking like minutes matter at this point, dude. We are like down to the wire. Grayson tells Recall about how the battles have gone so far, about how they're in pretty rough shape, and they are significantly outnumbered. He's like, I figure Langsdorf is probably just on the other side of the mountain, regrouping his forces for a final push. What's funny is, I'm sure we all noticed, that last battle, we don't get mm-hmm. to see how it turned out. We It literally just, like, time jumped. I mean, they're all still alive. It gives you a very short little summary where it's like, yeah, we had these battles. We managed to push them back, but not really do that much damage. I think that's so funny. The writer, he was yeah. like, we don't need to. Listen, I've given you enough. You get the idea. We don't have to do the yeah. whole, like, uh, you understand. They shot at each other.
2: We've had tons of cool battles at this point. And... At the end of it, neither side's gaining a big advantage, but the Grey Death Legion is losing supplies each time. You, you a little less rope to climb up there.
1: I, I think it's hand wave. well, right? We yeah. get we get the information out of it that we need, right, like you said, that sure, they were able to thwart the advance, but it cost them more.
2: Yep. Keith skips out on four mechs being shot at over a few pages. It turns and out I think there's it's done well.
1: So many ways to talk about armor shearing off.
2: Yeah, but I think keeping this idea of a little bit of a deflated Grayson compared to the Duke coming in with so much gusto in it, where it's like, <laughs> hey, I'm here. Yeah, but then Grayson, like, yeah, we're not in a great spot. Still aren't. <laughs>
0: and like at some point, Grayson's like, I got like eight mechs, and recalls like eight mechs. That's it. What are you doing? You know what? <laughs> yeah. Next. It and he's like, I'm trying he's my like, best. That's it. Yeah. Oh, Grayson also tells Recall about the library, right? But he found that library and about how he's making a copy. And he gives him his little theory. He tells Recall about how the Merrick forces here, they're just puppets of their true enemy, Precentor Rachan, that guy from Comstar. He's the one controlling everything, he's here for the library.
1: Grayson's got all the pieces now. He's got everything, right? He, like, has a full account of all the information. So he has the clearest picture out of everyone.
0: He's absolutely correct. Like, he's got the whole picture.
2: And I like how he takes this opportunity with working with Recall to emphasize something we talked about that Richon is not doing when he was talking with Langsdorf was Richon has an agenda here that he doesn't want shared. He doesn't want to give everybody all the pieces. But Grayson, in contrast, doesn't have an overall agenda to get over on everybody. He immediately shares it with somebody that is an outside force that could, with that information, screw over the Great Death Legion. He could have Duke Rico load all these ships up and fly off. But that yeah. isn't important to him. He it, It's emphasized again earlier when he tells Allard King, hey, go make a copy of the library. Go. He gives it to King, the spy in his organization. Yeah, it, it isn't about controlling this information. It's not making sure that the Grey Death Legion has all the cards at the end of this. It's just doing what he believes is best for his people. And however that it gets accomplished with whoever's help that can provide it, the end state, it's more about his people than the advantage.
0: I love it. Oh, also, I love this bit. Duke Recall tells Grayson, oh, yes, I've heard of such libraries. And he even says, you know, Grayson, it would seem that there is almost like a deliberate campaign to vandalize the ones that weren't already destroyed, doesn't it? And then they share this
1: glance between the two of them. Yeah. That kind of gives Grayson the impression that maybe Recall's on the same page as him.
0: Yeah. And once again, Recall shows up like, oh, yeah. Kind of seems like Comstar is destroying them. Again, he is like ahead of the game. Recall shows up like two steps ahead of everyone. Like he, it's like, oh man,
2: I love it. In every book where it's, Recall shows up. He's already got the whole plan mapped out before even the first move made. He can read the writing on the wall so well that he showed up in this book before anybody had any idea what was happening. He's like, yeah. I was just where the action was going to be. I heard you were getting helm. I heard rumors. I knew something was going to go down. So I'm here. And now that I've shown up precisely when I mean to, when I could, I even know the plan at Comstar. I know who, what every move everyone's making. So recall comes out on top. As always. I'll be honest with you. I believe Duke recall actually totally got held up. Yeah, I do, too. Because otherwise, Recall would have shown up, had everything ready to go, and he would have right. been out of here. Yep, yeah, exactly.
0: You're right. This is where Grayson smiles because he's like, well, Recall, once ahead of the game. And so he gives him his plan. He's like, the whole thing is I'm just trying to buy as much time as possible to get this memory core off world, even if it means sacrificing myself in the process. And Recall just nods. He's like, I understand. And he's like, I only have one request. Can additional copies be made so I can leave with one myself? Yeah. He wants one, too. He's like, oh, priceless knowledge? That's my jam. Let me get one." <laughs> you know what
2: I mean? I mean, Recall really has positioned himself to gain the most out of anyone for this with the least being risked. Like, he just shows up and he's like, hey, brought a big truck. You can throw all this stuff in the back. I'll be out of here. I won't face any repercussions for any of this, essentially. I'm going back to Creighton Space I mean. with a bunch of lost tech. And now, even better, hidden information. Thanks, Grayson.
0: House recall, dude. The house always wins. Yep. (laughs) So we get the awesome scene with Duke recall, and then we jump forward a bit. We join the Legion as they're lined up in their mechs, prepared to meet the coming onslaught, right? We got Devilar in a griffin, Tracy Kent in her Phoenix Hawk, and we got a couple of stingers piloted. By the Raw trainees, Gary Brodinson and Jason Morley. And I would like to put forth my nomination for the D-list. Oh. Stinger Pilots, who their names have not been mentioned so far in this book. You know, I was like, this is just, this meets my criteria. This really jumped out at me. When I read Gary and Jason, I was like, oh man, these gotta be my guys.
2: I do who like these guys? how you could peg a D-lister from like across the room because it's like, and they're in stingers, and you're like, yeah. uh-oh.
0: <laughs> I'm like, but the th- chance of r- these guys surviving is like practically 0%. percent <laughs> <laughs>
1: we got to get some guys that aren't in stingers. This is going to be a <laughs> terrible fight. It's just like a giant stinger pit. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Only the worst part is, is that if this one gets picked... There'll be two pairs and then a solo stinger.
0: <laughs>
1: They're all stingers, Jerry.
0: I just I don't even know how this thing works. I just saw these guys and I was like these got to be the
1: guys. Well, there you have it. Everyone has made their nomination. It's like
0: Keith got to the end of the book and he was like, "Oh, I haven't put in my throwaway stinger pilots yet." And he like, Quickly, here, here in the 11th hour, he had to like get them in. He was like, "Dude, Gary and Jason I for one am
1: rooting for their
0: success.
2: <laughs> I hope so. But stingers do come off the factory line prime to explode, so
0: <laughs> Yeah. Oh, McCall is here. He's in the rifleman. He's still missing an arm from a previous battle. So he only has one of his gun arms. He's not very and happy about it either. No. It's very upset. That's like that's like half the guns. It He's is. He's like, that's my whole thing. I, I you know, I got the
2: guns. <laughs> the Bonnock uh, burn. Yeah. <laughs> Half as strong as it used to be.
0: Yeah. I'm half the mech I used to be. <laughs> Delmar Clay is here in the Wolverine, but it has so little armor left that you can see the internals. <laughs> That's good. That's what you want. And yeah, he's like already red. You know, when you play the games and it's like, <laughs> yeah. it's like, yeah, his stuff's already
2: red. You forgot and to repair between missions. <laughs> Yeah, you're like,
0: uh-uh. Yeah,
1: that's the the one you cringe to like put back in there. Yeah.
0: Grayson's Marauder is here. It's also still a little beat up. But Lori Shadowhawk got some repairs. She's looking much better. Lori gets on a private channel with Grayson. She gets him on the radio. And she tells him, hey, listen. There's no way we can make another attack, right? Like, there's still time to make for the dropships and run. We can still go, Grayson. We can still get out of here. And Grayson's like, oh, what? Lori, Duke Recall, is still loading the loot and Allard is still copying the library. And Lori's like, dude, who cares? We're all going to die. What are you talking about? And Grayson's like, hey, there'll probably be time for at least a few of us to get away. Lori's like, like what? And leave you to face them all alone? I wanted to point out, isn't this where he talks about throwing her in the dropship like a bunch of meat or something? Yeah. Yeah.
1: The thought did cross my mind to tie you up and throw you into the dropship yeah. like a, a side of meat. Like a
0: side a side of frozen meat. That's right. <laughs> I was like, oh my God.
2: <laughs> Even with the chance of facing the end, Grayson still cannot talk to women well.
0: No. He's just like, quick, say something weird.
2: <laughs> now
1: go on, kid. I thought he was just having a kinky moment.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he is. It is cute, though. You get the... um, He's like, no, I'm in this with you, you idiot. He's like, you always (laughs) did show terrible judgment, my love. (laughs) it's very good. (laughs) Eventually, she relents. They realize they're in this together. She tells Grayson that she loves him, and he says he loves her too. Range 900 meters in closing. They're here. This is the end. And... Oh, then we cut back to Allard King. He's sitting at the library console. He's watching the little progress readout. It's displaying copy all complete, 23%. All right, 23%. Oh, okay. I also wanted to say here that it says the memory core is like half a meter long. I was like, oh, I missed this the first time. What does this thing look like? I hadn't imagined it was so Large. I don't know. In my head, I for some reason I thought of like a smaller thing, like a little holocron. I don't know. I don't know what I I just. I
1: I, (laughs) I'm with you. I've also never paid attention to its description.
0: This thing is like a. It's like a tube of
1: tennis balls. It's like the old vacuum things in banks where you like. Yes. (laughs) Yes. You know, '90s kids will remember, right? Like they still have. They still have them in some places. Oh, they still have those.
2: Yeah, my baby has them. Yeah. If you've ever had to go to a bank before, (laughs) which nowadays I haven't done for years. uh,
1: I personally don't recommend
2: it. No, but I think it's so funny because as I was reading it as well, I was like, well, how big could it be? And then I had that like wave of time wash over me and I could just imagine Keith like sitting at his dinner table, like thinking about how he was going to write up this scene and he's like looking over and he's like, oh how could i realistically get this much data into an object like it's got to be megabytes worth of information (laughs) like could i even realistically in the future say it'd be smaller than a human being
0: (laughs) (laughs) it's like this it's like a foot and a half like a large cylinder and it's cool it says it like slots into the desk like it like and like went in there and it's like copying
2: It is much cooler than the nowadays version where it'd be like, oh, it fit on a micro SD card. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's this huge thing. It's cool. I was thinking about, I'm like, oh, it's probably like heavy. Oh, this (laughs) is where Janice Taylor pops in like, we got company, sir. And she tells him that she can hear people working on the other side of the wall. She's like, they're probably setting explosives. And she says that her people are deployed around the cavern. But if a large force comes through that wall, there's not much they're going to be able to do about it. And Allard King is like, well, he tells the two techs that he's with that they got to go help her. But he's like, listen, if anything happens to me, got to get this core back to the dropship at all costs. So they're like, yes, sir. And the two young techs like run off. This little section ends with he wonders if he'll ever see them again.
1: I do like that they like come and talk to him. And Allard's like, I don't know. That's your job, isn't it?
0: Yeah. Yeah. He's like, all I have is a flare gun. He's like, why didn't I bring a gun? Because he was gonna, I remember the, I don't, I think I forgot to say they, he plans after he finishes copying, he's going to shoot a flare, indicate to Grayson that the job is done. So he has like uh, a little flare gun. A signal him. plan. Yeah. yeah. And
2: yeah. that's why when Lori was questioning him, he's like, we haven't seen the flare yet, Laurie. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. we know he's not done yet.
0: So then. We cut back to the Legion, mechs, out there on the field. It's now 800 meters in closing. And Lori is thinking about how when they all mounted up to come back out here, no one was happy about it. I mean, like more than just not happy. It's so grim. Cheryl just kept repeating, he can't make us do this. He can't make us do this. As he's climbing into her mech. Brent, this is where Davis McCall is eerily silent. That's the scariest thing of all.
1: Always smiling, McCall. Dead quiet.
2: Dead yep. quiet. That's how you know things are bad.
1: I think they call it the McCall meter.
0: Oh no, I am now. <laughs> it says that Delmar Clay, before they went out, was begging Grayson not to do it. He tried telling him, like, man, we've already lost. Look at us. There's, we got nothing left. We got nothing, Grayson. Like, what do you want? And Grayson's like, Get in your Wolverine, the one that has like no armor left. It's just like, it's just like a myamer fibers and like a <laughs> visible structure. And he's like, Grayson, we got nothing, man. <laughs> Even sadder, it says Khaled said nothing. But Lori had seen him looking toward the mountain valley and shaking his head. Just like Khaled's just standing there, just like.
1: That's the epitome of Khaled like crying.
0: Yeah. yeah. Yeah, the only time he's talked this whole book was when he was thinking of ways to torture Graf.
2: <laughs> yeah, so we've got the we've got the Khaled range of emotions, which is like yeah. he confirms something to he shakes his head. That's yeah. the spectrum we get for him.
0: He's the best. Oh, don't forget Isoru Koga, the archer pilot. Because this whole section is Lori, the kind of thinking back to right before they came out. How could I forget?
1: Yeah, Koga. Yeah,
0: she's like she's like Koga. She's like, oh, Koga seemed okay. Koga seemed like he was taking it well. Until I looked away and I looked back and he was like striking his fist against his palm. And she said that he had uh, she had approached him and been like, hey, hi, how you doing? And he just said, vengeance cannot always be answered before <laughs> so getting he's doing in his fine. neck. Yeah. He's, he's fine. Lori's <laughs> like, vengeance against whom? Question <laughs> mark? <laughs> what did he mean by that? So- Everyone's doing great. They're doing great, (laughs) by the
2: way. I I love how this goes and, like, reframes. When Lori had the conversation with Grayson in the previous scene, that she's like, Gray, we can still get out of here. And she's just not saying, like, everybody is cracking Grayson. Every single person out here with us is doing terrible. And Grayson's like, what can be done? We got a mission.
1: I feel like (laughs) Grayson... Drops the ball here, and I know he's in deep, and he's sleepy. It's been a rough (laughs) one, right? But I do think this would have been a great time for Grayson to really, like, renew everyone's understanding as to what they're doing here, and the odds, and why it's important for them to hold out. And we get nothing from him, really. We don't get the, like... We have to hold out because this memory core is the thing that will save the remnants of the Great Death Legion. We might not make it, but like he ain't got they it. will. Yeah, you're right. It just seems like Grayson's just—he doesn't have anything else in him. It's grim. It's uh, we're we're here joking and yeah. poking fun at it. But the reality is, is they've been at such insurmountable odds for so long now that it's clearly just worn down everyone.
0: Laurie thinks that Charles Bear alone seemed unaffected, as if he were moved to some far distant plane. She's like, how you doing, Bear? He's just staring into the distance like, fine. She's like, cool. Well, he's doing all right. Oh, but don't forget, we got the new recon lance. It says that Gary was terrified. But Jason was excited. Jason alone was like, Yes, let's get out Isn't there. That come a on, team. Range of yeah, yeah. <laughs> come on, team. Let's do it. I'm just so happy. I finally made Mech Warrior. I get a stinger.
2: <laughs> they all look and just shake their head. And Gary's and, like, you know,
0: <laughs> We got stingers.
2: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry Jason I can't join you here I have to write my will
0: Yeah they just finished washing Yarin out of the cockpit <laughs> <Yeah>. Oh no
1: <laughs>
2: But I think as we were talking about How Grayson didn't have his normal reaction to this Because normally in this scene Keith has always had Grayson give like this uplifting speech That brings everybody all around But I agree that I think Grayson's just at the same point he doesn't even know if what they're doing is going to matter. To him, the way I read it was that no matter what happens, there is no end to that. He can only do this one action of getting this memory core off planet to just have something to do through it. Because at this point, there really doesn't seem like there's a resolution to this.
0: It's so grim. Oh, it does say, I do want to point out, Tracy for a moment, was happy to be back in her mech. So happy to be back in her Phoenix Hawk again. It's all patched up until she realizes that they were about to get obliterated. And then she's a little less happy about it. But at least she'll go out in the dutiful daughter. Oh, and then yes, it it does Lori specifically says but of all the members Lori understood Grayson the least grim, cold and silent. He didn't even wish her luck before they deployed. She was like, wish me luck? And he just like Closed the hatch. Now they're out here, 700 meters in closing. And this chapter ends with Laurie switching the power systems of the Shadowhawk into combat mode.
2: It's so sad. It is. And I like how Keith uses one of those mechanisms that he uses throughout all these books that is the countdown, where he has the range 900 meters, 800 meters, and it's that ticking down element to kind of keep you in that tension point of like oh this is like a march to death
1: whatever win they can pull out is them surviving or enough of them surviving long enough for the other marker in all this which is the memory core data loading yeah continuing out so yeah that's
0: true i that is cool we keep cutting back and forth and the like range is decreasing as the merrick mechs approach and then we cut back over, and the like memory core progress is increasing, right? The, yeah, the, yeah. Good point. That is cool. That it's these two numbers that are going in different directions.
2: Yeah. And you throw in the fact that the Gray Death Legion is reacting at what would be their lowest point. They and this is the Mech Warriors. We we've always had somebody in there ready to fight, and this feels like the first time we have the Grey Death Legion almost throwing in the towel emotionally. They're not giving up, but they're not looking to win.
1: I disagree with you here. The throwing in the towel, none of them, I don't think they would have got in the mechs, but nobody here is stupid. Mm -hmm. All the Grey Death Legion mech warriors, they all understand, they at least understand what's going to happen Mm
0: -hmm. if they
1: go back out there.
0: They are all assuming that they're about to die.
1: Yeah. And we see them all dealing with that in different ways. But I think it would be unbecoming of us to say that they're giving up because they don't.
2: No. And I would say they wouldn't be giving up in the idea of, like, they, they give up the will to fight. I think what giving up would be is that they've given up the idea that Grayson has the way out for them. Because even Grayson seems to have lost faith in that as well. and so. The unit still does what the Great Death Legion does, and that's work as a group, work as a family. But every other time, even when Grayson was at a low, the rest of the unit's like, just give him time. Once he gets it, we're good. But everybody feels this despondent, emotional toll that all this has taken. But they still mount up and start walking to the battlefield.
0: You hate to see it. So- This has to be like the lowest moment. I know we've already, I've already been like, this said something earlier in the book where I'm like, this is the lowest moment. But I'm like, oh no, this is it. This is rock bottom. It's so sad.
2: It is. And this has been a very tough book on the Grey Death Legion. They have not had a lot of good times. Every plot development point has been another strike at the resilience of the Grey Death Legion. But- it does go to show that Keith has written them up and kept them so consistent that when they do mount up and they do look into the eyes of this losing battle coming forward that they believe that this is a matter of buying time, not winning, that they still follow each other into it. At
0: this point, all that's left is just to, I mean, they've committed and now it's time to reap what they sown. Yeah, it's time to face whatever comes.
2: And we'll have to see. Who's left standing in the next chapter?
0: Chapter 33 This chapter opens with an explosion and Allard King getting knocked to the ground, right? We just get a scene, he's just laying on the ground, like, what happened? He pulls himself back up, though, and he he checks the computer. Luckily, it's still transferring, and it's currently at 89%, so almost there. However, he realizes that there is now a large hole where the wall used to be. Turns out that, yeah, they blew it open, just as Janice had predicted. So, Merrick infantry come rushing through the breach. Janice and her team, they're all in there. They're posted up. They like open up on them. So now Allard is standing here. He's watching the progress meter while a gunfight erupts around him. It's getting wild. He looks over. He notices something very large moving outside the breach.
1: This scene, right? Like all this dust is in the air from the explosion. Yes. There's kind of bright muzzle flashes because of the dim lighting. That, yeah, like the sun's coming in from like the hole in the wall. Yeah, and there's this like computer console in the center of it. Allard's like prone, like just like oh fuck, what the hell's going on? And then there's this monster outside, just yeah, casting shadow like e- eclipsing the sunlight pouring in.
2: I saw the same thing as, like, the god rays are coming through yes. yeah. with all the yes. debris and smoke and everybody's, like, getting up and dusting themselves off after the explosion trying to figure out what's happening. And they're all looking around as they slowly lose sight of each other.
0: Everyone's ears are just ringing. like, yep. And it's just, like, this gunfight has erupted. Like, there's a bunch of, like, shooting at each other. Dudes are coming through, hitting the dirt, like... All the Legion commandos are in there. Like, it's like crazy. And Alder's like watching the meter. It's like almost done. It's like at the very end of, he's like, we're almost there. He's
1: worried. He, for a moment, considers... Pulling it out, but he's like, yeah. I don't know. Will it just erase everything? Like, will if the file be corrupted? Like, he's like,
0: I can't risk. It. Me too. I, you ever try to move something on a USB <laughs> drive and you're like, this file's huge. I wonder if I, you know, it's like, <laughs> if I pull it. What'll happen? I get it. We've been there.
2: I also like how this scene goes to show Allard King was really not a member of the Great Death Legion. He was a spy within their organization. But over time has bought in to what being part of the Great Death Legion really means, where he's in here with the rest of the Grey Death Legion commandos and putting his life on the line the same, because it would make a ton of sense for Allard King to say to hell with this. I'm getting out of here alive and just bolting. But he takes the time to accomplish the mission everybody else is trying to accomplish as well. It means the same to him here.
0: It's so cinematic. It's so tense. It this is. is You can hear the music. It's like, this is the moment. He like, he's like watching the meter goes up. He looks outside the hole and he sees, like you see huge shadows moving. You could, there's something large out there moving outside the hole. And then it's, he like looks over and then the computer is like, ding. And the memory core reee, like rises <laughs> out of the desk. And the computer is like, data copy complete. Do you require another? And Allard like grabs and he's like, no, thank you. And he like, <laughs> grabs the thing and he's like running out of the little room. And then you can we can hear something is beating against the hole in the wall from the outside, like doom, doom. And it's sending splinters of rock and dust everywhere. And then he's just standing there outside the door. He's holding the memory core and like a Merrick archer steps into the cavern, like this huge mech. And he's like, uh-oh. And then <laughs> immediately we cut back to Grayson. And he's watching the Merrick line approaching his position. They're all standing there looking grim. He sees they have 16 mechs versus his 12. He notices Lingsdorf's Warhammer is parked way in the back next to a cluster of vehicles. He's like, oh, what's going on back there? I bet that's Rachan and all them back there just watching me. And <laughs> this is where we get the part. Grayson's thinking about the odds. Grayson is thinking about combat loss grouping. And uh, we got to talk about combat loss grouping. She, yeah, there's like we a really whole do. page here that just like explains what CLG is. And uh, Brent, tell me about combat loss grouping. Well, so
1: it's cool because it kind of works the same way in the board game as it, it's kind of narratively talked about. Totally. Here. And I don't know... I was a lowly infantryman, so I'm not sure if this is a real, like, thing when it comes to armor. I'm not sure. Um, However, basically, the discussion we get in the book is more or less that as mechs start to take, like, kind of more critical system damage, all mechs start to, as in, like, mechs start to kind of hit that critical threshold of going down... At around the same time, especially if the odds are even. So it's important to kind of gauge where you're at because it's better almost always to retreat your forces before it really gets out of control so yes.
0: that you're not taking mass casualty. Yeah. Once things start slipping, they start slipping fast.
2: Yeah. Yes. It's like a domino effect of once that first mech falls, a good portion of them aren't going to be far behind.
0: Because they're all, you you have all all this armor and stuff, and so CLG is the concept that a whole company might be fighting for a while, several minutes, and then one goes down, and within one minute, like, six mechs go down. Because they're all Mm. taking the spread damage, but as soon as they hit this threshold, they start going down, and so you have to be aware of CLG.
1: Because... Fire becomes more concentrated. It's really just statistics, right? Yes. There's Mm -hmm. less things to shoot at. So the things that were less damaged are now the ones getting shot at. And now that they're getting shot at, like they're going down faster and it's just going to, as Aaron said, the dominoes are going to fall and they're going to fall fast.
2: And I like what you said earlier, Brent, about how it works like it does in the board game. And I think that's the thing. When I read this, I was in love with Keith's description of it. Because the narrative description matches the mechanical side of Battletech so well. Because anybody that's played classic Battletech knows those rounds. I know me and Brent, when we have faced off many times, we have had that one round of combat or two rounds of combat where prior to that it was anyone's game. And after that, it was just... It stays in yeah. anyone's game,
1: but it's like, oh, now we're two and two. Now we're one and yeah. one. And it's like, oh, now we've just got these two guys just going at it yeah. over this pile of rubble. There's a reason that you usually want objectives.
0: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's And I like, it describes that CLG concept almost becomes like this boogeyman to mech warriors, right? They fear mm-hmm. the CLG. It even says Grayson had heard one story of a company entering combat. Fighting valiantly for five minutes without losses, then falling apart within 30 seconds. There had been, he'd heard, only three surviving mechs in that company. <laughs> so it's like, once they start going down, you're like, a good commander has to know, this is over. Like, we gotta go. Pull the plug. Because we're, yeah. yeah, pull the plug.
2: <laughs> and I love, as Grayson's thinking about it, he's like, you're supposed to pull out before that point hits. And right. then he looks over does. at the Wolverine, <laughs> yeah. and he's yeah. like... That's the first machine gun round that hits the Wolverine. Yeah.
1: The Wolverine like goes to like lift the arm up with the auto cannon, and like yeah. the armor just falls off the mine. Yep.
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, and so Grayson is like, "That's now." By the way, yeah. <laughs> like CLG is now. Like this is the point where, we, and we are entering a battle at the CLG point. So Grayson is certain that he's going to die. <laughs> like it's it's over. Like. Those guys are fresh. We're literally falling apart.
1: I also like that we get this here, but Kanan, we get this in later books, too. This is not one of the things that kind of, like, gets brushed off as kind of earlier on, like, set of technical terms. It's definitely not like poor bloody infantry, which we never hear (laughs) the likes of again (laughs) after this trilogy.
2: As long as Malfing survives.
1: I don't know what to tell you, bud. Oh, no! (laughs) (laughs) So,
0: he's thinking about CLG, and when the Merrick line is at about 500 meters out, Grayson gives the order, prepare to attack. And he wonders to himself, is this the final measure of a commander's skill? Whether his troops would follow an order that might be suicide? And he does, he makes one last little check. He checks his cameras and notices that Allard King still hasn't shot the flare, indicating that the copy was complete. So he can only assume that it is not complete yet, even though we know that it is.
2: Yeah. I, I like that little cutback scene for him where he was checking for it as almost like a desperate last out as yeah, a moment yeah. to say, like, maybe, maybe we don't have to do this. Because maybe he could just come over the comms and be
1: like, it's over, Rachan. Mm-hmm. I've got the hard drive.
2: Exactly.
0: Yeah. This is it. The Merrick mechs open fire, the battle begins, and this little section just ends he thinks there's no way out. The Grey Death Legion would end here. And he opens the command frequency and orders his forces to move forward. And then we cut back to Allard King, right? He throws his hands over his eyes as the archer lasers that library building. So he had just run out. Archer comes in. Archer hits it with the lasers. It like melts. The thing like collapses. And then At that point, the gunfighting stops and the Legion commandos, they just drop their weapons and surrender because there's literally a battle mech in here now. It's like, what are they going to do? We have like TK sub guns, like it's over for a moment. It's quiet. And we see a group of figures entering the cavern, right? Like I see there's like sunlight behind them. It's like shadowy. And we see it's the six Comstar Adepts. And of course, presenter Rachan, he's here and he points at Allard King. And he's like, "You, you have what I want. Bring it to me."
1: Laying it on a little thick.
0: Yeah, it's so <laughs> villainous. I love this. He comes in with like the adepts. This is such like the. Oh my god! I
2: was like, "This is." There's great. so much pageantry in this. Yeah. <laughs> Comstar and pageantry. Who would have thought? I know. Okay. <laughs> I do think
0: it says that they're like lifting up their robes so they don't get dirty on the bottom as they're like stepping <laughs> over the rubble. It says that they have like their it little does. skirt. Yeah. So Rachan demands that he gives him the memory core. And Alard refuses. He tells Rachan that this knowledge could be deliverance of all mankind. And Rachan's like, you don't know what you're talking about. They have this little exchange where they're just like yelling at each other. And Rachan says that he doesn't even care if the memory core is destroyed. Because his mission is, in fact, to destroy the library. I just want to bring
1: this up because when reading this this time, I was like, this isn't just him responding. I actually think Allard King is probing Rachan. You're having a bit of a joust, actually. I just wanted to throw that in just as you read it to kind of, like, flavor the air. Totally. He's
0: he's totally working them. Yeah. Right? This is what he's good at.
1: It turns out the spy... (laughs) is good at doing spy things.
0: <laughs> this is the best when, like, Rachan's like, it doesn't even matter because my mission here is to destroy that library. And Allard exclaims, like you destroyed 12 million people at Tianton. And Rachan screams, be quiet. And at this point, he looks, like, twisted. He's, like, heavy breathing, like, hands shaking, curled into claws, like, Argh! like he's, like, peak villainy. And at this point, the, the adepts behind him start, like, shifting, like, uncomfortably. They're like, oh, uh, what's going on? <laughs> like, they're like very uncomfortable.
1: His lies come to a head, right? This is a beastly pimple that it does appear is about to be
0: popped. Exactly. Uh, Allard King continues to press him. He points at the adepts and he's like, Did you know? Did he tell you? It was Rachan who planned the murder of 12 million civilians on Sirius 5. And then it's great. One of the adepts is like, Precentor, what this man says can't be true. And then Rachan, he's like lost it. He's like, fools, all of you. He's like screaming. He jumps on a pile of rubble and like pulls out his laser pistol. And he's like, what does it matter? A few worthless lives. They were expendable. You're all expendable. And he's like swinging his like laser gun around. This it's oh, my God. I was like, this is amazing. (laughs) He shoots Janice Taylor. He's straight lasers. you remember
1: her. Janice Taylor?
0: Yeah, he shoots Janice <laughs> from the mines. I can't believe <laughs> from it. The mines. She screams, she she goes down, and then Nick, the book mentioned him earlier. He's this like young soldier that's like always hanging out with her. He's like her buddy. He's just like, not my Janice, and he just starts spraying <laughs> with his gun. So now the standoff is like popped off again, and just like gunfire erupts. However, Rachan totally gets hit. He gets hit, he goes down, he gets shot in the leg and he's like ah and he falls off the rubble.
1: <laughs> Trent's performance here by the way as Rachan <laughs> glorious. We haven't <laughs> mentioned him actually. I did we make it a whole episode and we like for Is uh, this
0: the first? <laughs> he's great.
1: Like he kills it
0: in this. He's great with the villains. Oh, Every yes. time he's a villain it's like it's so good.
2: <laughs> it really like nails like this scene the whole time I read it. I had, like, the Emperor Palpatine yeah. vibe oh, going yes. on. Yeah. You're, I just just like spot on. <laughs> it's like, instead of lightning, it's just a laser pistol, and he's like, ah!
1: Yeah. Only he's not feeble. I see him, like, yeah. gesticulating.
0: Yeah. It's, yeah. Exactly. It's kind of... It's, like, pathetic. He comes in yeah. seeming very powerful and, like, controlled, but, like, by the end, he's, like, unraveled. It's, like, pathetic. It's, yeah. like, childish. He's just, yes. like, screaming. And so... Now people are shooting again. The archer is still here. So it starts moving immediately to neutralize the shooter. But check this out, dude. This is so sick. Allard King is like, no, I got this. Because remember, he's the master technician. He knows all about mechs and he knows archers. He knows exactly where the sensor suite is. So as soon as the archer starts moving, he pulls out that flare gun that he was supposed to use. And he fires it right at the sensor suite. And it like, boom, explodes And so, like, the mech warrior inside, like, for a moment is, like, temporarily blinded, right? It's like, all of his, like, readouts go white. And King just tells everyone, start running, go, go. And they all start running. I did love Nick throws down his rifle and, like, picks up Janice. And he's like, let's go. And they start breaking for the exit. (laughs) This is, like, the best. This scene is so sick.
1: This whole book. It's, yeah. I don't think we've gotten one scene through this book and not mentioned how like ungodly cinematic this thing is. This one's right for a yep. movie.
0: So yeah, we get this whole scene, man. We finish copying the thing. The archer comes to the wall. Rachan comes in. We have that whole exchange. This is like one of my favorite scenes in the book. Like I was like riveted. This whole time. And then it's just, God, it ends with King shooting the flare gun and them running. I'm like, oh my God, Mwah, chef's kiss. This is, uh, is this is my jam. This is my jam. Unfortunately,
1: King sacrificed the one tool he had to communicate with Grayson. It's why it's so cool though, right? Is, is that it's like, right oh, that flare gun. It was, he had to make a trade. Yeah. Yep. He had to sacrifice something. And what he had to give up was his ability to communicate with Grayson so that they could get the helm, the core out of there. Yeah.
0: Then we cut back to Grayson. He's in the Marauder. He begins moving forward, right? They're all lined up. Grayson starts moving forward. You get this moment where the other mechs don't move, it's just Grayson
2: walking forward. I think I love this shot. Yeah. I love where. It really feels like Grayson takes those steps forwards and even mentions, he's like, it wouldn't even be fair to call it a mutiny. He's like, who can blame them? I, yeah. This is the order that's gone too far. Yeah. I can't ask them to do this.
0: Yeah. He's like, I wouldn't even, he's like, really, they should just shoot me. That's what I, <laughs> but it's like, God, he starts moving forward. And for a moment, you're like, oh, are they going to follow? And then you see the riflemen start moving and then the Wolverine. And then the Shadowhawk. And then by the end, the entire band of 12 mechs are moving towards the Merrick line. I'm like crying at this point. <laughs> I'm like, let's go. Let's go. The Rad Squad never stopped being rad. They never stopped. They never stopped. I like the first one was McCall. The first one yep. was like, I And like puts it in his...
2: <laughs> yeah. Like the way Keith wrote it, it was the perfect order. McCall. Clay. Yeah, specifically not Laurie.
0: Like, Laurie is like, (laughs) (laughs) like, dude, McCall's like, boss, if you're going out, I'm going out with you. Let's go. Uh,
2: I love it. It just, it it really is such a beautiful thing to see it. It's like the Grey Death Legion rides together. I love it. And I think it's also because we've talked in these last few chapters how it really felt like the Grey Death Legion was at the end of the rope, that... Like I we mean, were because the closest. They have been. Yeah, oh, a hundred percent. We were the closest to seeing the Gray Death Legion fall apart and splinter away from each other.
1: There was no hall of mirrors here. William yeah. H.
2: Keith didn't
1: create some illusion of the Gray Death almost
2: coming unwound. He showed us it yep. happening, yeah. and then this was like that point that it all built towards—the like the final decision: Are they going to fall apart here? And then watching them all move out and you're just like, it's our boys. Yes. (laughs) We love them. Oh, so
0: they start moving and then we cut over to Langsdorf, right? We see he's standing on a hill way in the back next to his Warhammer. He's hanging out back there with Lord Garth and General Clyder. And it's funny, they're watching him through like binoculars. And then he's like, I can't believe this. And it's like, what? They're actually charging us. They're like... Going on the offensive. And they're like, huh? And they're like watching the battle take place. They can't believe it. They're like, they're insane. And like Langsdorf is just like, huh, weird. We also get this scene where like two of the general's aides are there. We got this little like peanut gallery thing. They're like taking bets over like how long certain mechs will last, who will go down first. They're like all watching the battle, talking to each other like, oh, I got 20 C bills. He won't last 30 seconds. Like, oh, you're on. Wolverine's gonna have to. Oh, the Marauders coming! Oh no, watch out! Oh, the Crusaders coming to the rescue! Oh, not in time. There goes the Rifleman. Fourteen seconds down. You owe me. And you realize you get to see McCall go down from their perspective. They like yeah. it's so sad. They're like watching. You see the Rifleman like and like slam into the ground.
1: Langsdorf is feeling sick. Yeah. Right. Like Langsdorf is yeah. seeing this last charge. And he knows in his heart of hearts that there is no way that he doesn't even need to hear what he soon learns to know that something is up here. Yeah. He knows that fellow soldiers aren't going to follow a commander like this in a last charge without like there being strong bonds. And there, yeah. things are not adding up for him and yeah. he no. knows that what's going on is wrong and he knows it right here
2: well and keith has done such an incredible job throughout this entire book of saying that about Langsdorf. Langsdorf has always had questions about what's going on but he followed the orders and this part where he's looking at the men who gave these orders take this as a game and to joke around about it as keith says like Langsdorf viewed grayson's mindset for the last few days he put himself in grayson's shoes and he's like none of this has added up to make any sense whatsoever why would these men accused of horrible actions show so much valiant fighting spirit and heart on the battlefield it's like they have something that they're dedicated to fight for every single one of them. It's so awesome to have that scene where Langsdorf is just sitting there like gritting his teeth and bawling his fist, listening to Clyder and Garth make light of this and being like, it's, it's, they don't stand a chance. They're fools. They're so stupid for doing this. And Langsdorf is like, ugh. He has the moment. He's
1: He's like, are we the baddies? He, okay, so this
0: is what's (laughs) great. He says that. You're right. He's like sitting there watching them feeling sick, and the two guys are going back and forth, and he just says out loud, just apropos of nothing, he's just like, Carlisle is a brave man and a fine commander. And the the general looks at him like, huh? And he's like, "Uh, you forget, Colonel. Uh, This man is responsible for the deaths of millions. And this is where Link, he pulls the binoculars down, and he turns, and he's like, is he general? I wonder. I've been fighting him for days, and frankly, I find it hard to reconcile this warrior with the mad dog butcher you say massacred a city on Sirius 5. And what's funny is, Garth and Clyder make no reply. They don't say nothing. They just look at him like, oh, shit."
1: This makes the whole book for me. I'll be it completely does. honest. For yes. me, this is the most important. So we've had cool stuff happen, but this is where I'm like, Keith, this is the home run right here. Yep. Like... Langsdorff figures it out here. Now later <laughs> we're, we're we're getting up on it. He'll get his confirmation, but he already knew.
2: Well, and as Brent, you said when we first were talking about Langsdorff, you were like, "This is the battle of the truth," and the fact that Langsdorff wrote all of that out, Keith set it up to have his doubt, and he just watched it, and he puts the pieces together himself, and it really feels like Keith had this great idea to use Langsdorf as this antagonist in this potential throughout the whole book that he set it up and was writing and knew like, this is the moment I'm going to like set it off. And as you said, it's the, it's the moment that really makes it following the scene with Grayson and the boys riding out and Langsdorf looking at it and saying like, that's everything I needed to know right there. That tells me my answer. That tells me the yeah. truth. Yeah. And then Garth, and Clyder just dropping the ball with it they have no position to argue it's like well he's found us out but what does it matter they're like it's already over yep or they think they have exactly
0: so you get that scene with Langsdorf and then we jump back over to Grayson's perspective where he sees McCall go down right he sees the riflemen hit the ground and he's like on his mic mccall are you there hey what are you doing and it's it's awesome you see mccall pop out of the hatch out of the back of the rifleman and just like roll off like onto the ground like oh and just like hits the dirt but then like a hovercraft like pulls up next to him and they like grab him and like drive off with him
2: when i read that i had the like scene play out in my head that like he falls out he gets up the ground he looks up at the marauder like winks with the big smile back (laughs) on his face and it's like he's back The great Legion's back. (laughs) I'm sure, Brent, when you first read that scene, your heart skipped a beat. Like, no, Keith couldn't do this to me.
1: I'm okay, laddie. (laughs) It it is harrowing the perspective you get it from. Keith sneaks that one in on you, right? Like, he's just like, the rifleman goes down. And you're like, oh, man, this was already kind of a tug at the heartstrings moment. And then it's like, oh, not McCall. Not our McCall. Yeah. It did. I was worried. I was like, he's made it so far (laughs) in that very, very hot mech of his.
0: (laughs) Oh, don't forget, we also, during this battle scene, we see Charles Bear. He's in his Crusader. He closes in with the Mara Crusader, and they're like facing off. We have a Crusader fight, and Bear just like charges him. He brings his fists up and smashes them down. And the other Crusader just drops into the mud below. He just like drops the dude, like boom, with like a melee kill. And you're like, yes, right here, he got it. <laughs> yeah, in the eleventh hour, it happened. He for gets him. <laughs> the melee kill, and against another
2: Crusader
1: at the top of the screen, you get the like, you yeah, know, like- achievement unlocked.
2: <laughs> Charles Bear can die happy now; he's a true yes. warrior. Lori gets
0: smashed by a flight of missiles, and her Shadowhawk Hawk falls, like she goes down. Grayson swings his Marauder around and he just like destroys her attacker. It was some like Griffin or whatever. He's just like, no. And like explodes this Griffin. He calls her on the radio. Like, are you good? What's going on? And and she says, she's fine. There is a fire on board, but her extinguisher system is working. So she's going to be okay. Which is like, that's huge growth from, yeah, there's a fire on board her mech. And she's like, I'm okay. Great job. Grayson keeps firing. He's sweating. His mech is close to shutdown. It's, he's such a mess. And the chapter ends with Grayson just thinking, this can't go on for much longer. It's almost over.
2: What a last ride that the Grey Death Legion is going out on. This is brutal. Charles Bear getting his hit. They're all together. And I love that. I love how they're all fighting through all of this. And then we got that perspective from Langsdorff. We got the unhinged Richon. This was like a 10 out of 10 chapter by Keith. Every part of this, you were just like, yes, it's our boys. And then with that wrap up where you you feel terrible, but it's done so well that you're like, it's the Great Death Legion all the way through.
1: It's surreal. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times.
2: Yep. But to me... Like uh, like I said, it's just such a good chapter. It's my favorite chapter. In all three books we've covered, this is my favorite chapter by far that we had a chance to cover.
1: Raise a glass to uh, chapter 33.
0: Good chapter, <laughs> man. It's getting crazy. It is like, oh my God, it's so tense. You're like, oh my God, they're all going to die. He's got the memory core. He's getting away. They but can't like- keep going. Yeah. No, this is the uh, end. Yeah. They've lost so much, and here we are, and they're still fighting. Like, the chapter ends. He's still fighting. He's just shooting PPCs, like, right up to the end. He's like, oh, what else? What, what else is, is there, there to do? It's like stressful. I'm stressed out. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it is.
1: There's no running away from this, though. They're committed. Mm-hmm. Smoke them if you got them. You know.
0: <laughs> but now we know that Langsdorf knows that something's going on. That's That's the kind of real thing here that's like, yeah that part where langsdorf is like actually no and then you're like oh what's gonna happen
1: the red flag has been raised yeah we'll just have to see if it gets all the way up the flagpole,
2: (laughs) and we'll have to find out what kind of man langsdorf truly is in the next chapter
0: Chapter 34. This chapter begins with Lord Garth saying that this can't go on for much longer, which is funny. I like that little bookend. We go straight from Grayson saying that it can't go on for much longer, right into Garth saying that it can't go on for much longer. So everyone's in agreement. This can't go on for much longer. And <laughs> Lord Garth, he's still in the back. He's hanging out with General Clyder and Langsdorf. They're back there. And those two the general's aides they're still doing their like color commentary on the battle they're watching it from their perspective we see delmar clay's wolverine go down and they're like yeah step on the pilot step on the pilot it's grim <laughs> very classy also what a
1: horrifying perspective to see like kind of a secondary character get like knocked out of a fight
0: yeah yeah you're like not clay yeah we're seeing the legion get shredded but from like their perspective it's terrifying we see one of the Legion's stingers explode, just like, you know, you know you know what stingers do? Stingers explode. The dudes, they're even like, man, I can't believe what a PPC does to a
2: stinger. It's pretty believable. And we're like, we can. We've only seen yeah. it happen dozens of times. Yeah,
0: that's what happens. It's. I, I think it says that. They just explode, right? You hit a stinger yeah. with the PPC, it, it just like, evaporates.
2: They're all standing up
0: there. They're watching the battle, right? And then they hear a hovercraft pull up from behind, like, and like they all turn around and it's adept Larrabee, right? And he's got blood all over his robes. He looks very distressed. And Langsdorf tells him to come up, you know, first they're like, Oh, what are you doing here? And Langsdorf's like, hold on, come on up here. What do you got? And Larrabee walks up looking terrible, right? Because he was in the battle in like the cavern, but I guess he made it out and he's here now. He takes a little hovercraft over to these guys and he tells Langsdorf, he's like, you have to stop the battle. And General Collider's like, nonsense, arrest this man. <laughs> Larrabee's like, you can't arrest me, you'll risk a Comstar edict. And they're like, oh shit, Comstar edict. That <laughs> sucks yeah.
1: literally everyone in their tracks.
0: Yep. Yeah, not an edict.
1: So a Comstar edict means that basically your faction is fined and services by Comstar are temporarily suspended or indefinitely suspended. Which means no talky talk to all of your distant planets and not being able to talk to all of the planets in your holdings means that you're going to lose control over them. So nobody wants this. And so it's taken deadly seriously, even by the non-movers and shakers in this scene. The soldiers are like, Ooh, don't want to be the one responsible for that.
0: Yeah. They'll cut your phone lines. (laughs) <laughs> it's literally the phone police. Yep. <laughs> like, this is like the phone police are real. in Battletail. That's what's it's so like, funny.
2: Lay a hand on me and you get no cell service across the universe. <laughs> Which yeah. I think is another little thing that Keith just kind of slides in here. But it's another fearful point to have for Comstar. Where it's like we have built them up throughout this novel. As this very, very powerful group. And this is just another thing where it's like one guy can just stroll up and basically say, listen, if you treat me poorly, it's an edict. These
1: guys just walk around with diplomatic immunity. Right? Yeah.
0: <laughs> yes. So he tells him, don't touch me. You'll risk an edict. And Langsworth's like, hold up, hold up. Let's hear him out. What do you got to say, son? And like brings him over. And this is where Larrabee tells the colonel that this whole operation is a lie, right? He tells him that Tian Tan was destroyed on the orders of Precento Rachan, and it is Rachan who is actually the outlaw. He tells him about what happened in the caverns, how, like, Rachan destroyed the library, and how Allard King told them that it was Rachan who destroyed Tian Tan, and he's like, but Rachan, he actually admitted it. Like, he did. It was like, Colonel, he said it was true. He told us that he totally killed those people. He straight up admitted it. And this is where Lord Garth commands a guard to seize him. He's like, seize him. Get that man. And he's, this he's is sweating. before it is. Yeah, before Larrabee can say anything, one of the guards, the soldiers, he totally like hits him with his rifle or whatever. He knocks him out. So the last thing, Larrabee's like, he did it. Richon did it. And the dude like, boom, hits him. And he like hits the dirt. And <laughs> dude. So Langsdorf, right, pulls his gun out, right, pulls the piece <laughs> and holds it up. And he's like, all right, everyone stop. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, he pulls out the heater, and Clyder's like, "Dude, stop! What do you? Wh- what's going on, General Clyder's, Look at this battle, man! You're about to win. We're about to win, dude!" And Langsworth's like, "Win? Win what? What are you talking about? We talking about win? He's like, what, did, you, did you not hear this guy? He just looks disgusted, and he starts climbing up into his warhammer. He has the audacity to say
1: something to the extent of like the glory." The glory, there's no glory in any <laughs> yeah, of this. Yeah, there is no glory here. And, and, <laughs> uh, as as we've said, Langsdorf has been on for a second about this. This was the straw that broke the camel's back.
2: Yeah. yeah. This was the proof Langsdorf needed to solidify the truth. He had the feeling for it, but he couldn't act on the feeling. And as soon as somebody came up, Larrabee strolls up with the yeah. information. He's like, that's it. I got what I needed. Everything I have felt is vindicated in this man.
0: Yeah. He's like, all right, enough games. Pulls the gun out, climbs up in the Warhammer. Clyder's like, where are you going? He's like, I'm going to give my orders. And General Collider's like, oh, cool. You're going to close it out. Nice, nice. And Langsdorf's <laughs> like, no, you, he, you don't understand. This battle is over. I am not going to throw away any more of my men, especially not for him. And like points at Lord Garth. And he's like, Did you guys not hear him? We are here under false pretenses. This is like a war crime. He's like, What are we have to stop? He's, <laughs> it's funny. Everyone else is like, No, keep going, keep going. And Langsdorf is like, Absolutely not. We're done here. Once again, Langsdorf, just being a Chad. All the way through. Yeah. He's the man. The thing here though is like
1: Langsdorf is doing the right thing, but this has gotta be terrifying for him because Literally, everyone else is opposed to him. And the consequences, if the people above him that come to investigate don't agree that Langsdorff did the right thing, Langsdorff's ass is going to hang. And Langsdorff knows that. It just goes to show you the caliber of man that Langsdorff is, that he's willing to do the right thing, irregardless of the consequences. I, I just wanted to highlight that because I think. That it says so so much about his character here.
2: Yeah. And that's something we have talked about through the entire book, that Keith has set this up. He set up the previous chapter where Langsdorf started to feel it, but it didn't come out of left field at all. This wasn't like, oh, Langsdorf was like, I'm going to crush the Great Death no. Legion no matter what the whole time. And then all of a sudden he gets one bit of information, he changes his mind. He has questioned this from the very beginning. Yeah.
0: He's been half in, half out the whole time. He has been reluctant since he first showed up in the story. He's been like, something's weird about this. And I would say that Langsdorf has been paying
1: attention, and Mm -hmm. not everyone else has.
0: Yeah. Julian Langsdorf. giga Chad. (laughs) It's a matter of honor. It's a matter of honor. It's a matter of glory. And there ain't no glory. (laughs) So this is awesome. So we get this whole bit. Larrabee runs up. Langsdorf gets in his Warhammer. He's like, I'm ending it. And then... We cut back to the cavern, right? We cut back to Rachan. He's laying in the dark, alone. He's bleeding. Remember, his leg is broken. And he hears a noise, a deep echoing from the darkness. This is when you, you get the screen shake. Mm-hmm. An unnatural rumbling, right? Everything is, starts shaking. You see the rocks and the little pebbles start to like vibrate.
1: At first, he reaches for his gun, and then he comes to his senses, realizing that- This is no sound made by man.
0: Yeah, it's like shaking. It's like an earthquake, right? You realize the floor of the cavern starts to move. His leg is broken and he's shot. So like every little micro movement is like, he's in a lot of anguish. He's in a lot of pain. (laughs) So that's good. And he's scared (laughs) and confused. Just, he's just sitting there. The rumbling is growing. Everything around him is shaking and jittering. And he's just like, we just cut over to Rachan looking terrified for a moment. and then. We go back to Grayson, and he's watching those big hovercrafts speeding over to their position, the prime movers, the ones that Recall's guys were using to load all the stuff on. And he gets a call from Duke Recall, right, on the radio. And the Duke tells him, he tells him to get his people ready for pickup. And Grayson looks around, and he's like, huh? And then he realizes that the Merrick forces are withdrawing. And you get, he's like looking around. We see Lori, Clay, McCall, and Khaled's mechs. They're all down. Their mechs got destroyed but they're all alive. We know that. I think everyone is alive except for the two <laughs> stinger pilots. What were their names? Oh, no. Morley and Brodinson.
1: Grayson recalls them and he's like, I remember their faces, one of them terrified, one of them excited. Yeah. And he says something to the effect of
0: that doesn't matter now, they're not feeling anything. It's a grim yeah. remark. Yeah, even Grayson's like, what were their names? Who? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know. Like <laughs> Morley? Brodinson? So uh, shout outs to Morley and Brodinson. We lost two more Stinger pilots, folks. And uh, it's very sad.
1: I know we're laughing about it, but I but I think this goes to show where Grayson's head's at in all this. To where even he's surprised by kind of like tr- having to trouble to recall like these new recruits. I just wanted to note that. Grayson's wore down real thin.
0: Oh yeah, he's down atrocious. Right? This is like, look. One more push by the Merrick forces, they would have been done. I mean, like, they are like barely a fighting force as they are now. Like, they one more push, it would have been over. It's really a strong gust of wind. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It basically is over. The Merrick forces were just, they just had to clean him up at this point. But he's looking and he's like, they're, what's, they stopped. They're all like pulling back. This whole scene, Grayson is, is in a haze, right? He's like completely dissociated. He's not here. Because he's, I feel like you get the, it's all hazy and you hear recalls like coming in over the radio, like fading in. Hey, can you hear me? Grayson, (laughs) like, like young Grayson, we're coming to pick you up. The Merrick forces are retreating. You've won. You've won. He doesn't. Grayson's just like, huh? He's just like looking around, like vacant stare.
1: I just see like Grayson just like squeezing the, uh, the throttle and his, uh, his joystick just like, clenching it, just, like, in a complete fugue state. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I see him, like, looking left and right and he's, like, counting and he's like, we're like a lance of mechs left. Yeah. There's still, like, 20 Merrick mechs that are now walking away. What's happened?
0: Yeah. He thinks to himself, he's just looking around like weird. Doesn't, uh, feel like victory. And this is where he starts getting a strange sensation coming in over his NeuroHelmet. Right? Because NeuroHelmet's directly interface with the equilibrium it's like a you know it gives you kind of a sense of balance and he can feel that the ground is uneven it's shaking it's moving right now we get this little bit into with Grayson being like what's going on why is the ground starting to shake and then we cut back to Langsdorf he's sitting in his Warhammer and he too is like oh why is the ground like shaking and moving what's going on and he's also, we get a bit, he is thinking about how his career is finished. Like you mentioned earlier, Brent. <laughs> he's 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 just like, well, I guess all I got now left is a court martial and a firing squad. So uh, that's nice.
1: I commend his bravery even here, where he's like, well, I did it. And he's ready to face the consequences of his action. Yeah, like a man. Even at their worst. Yeah. I have so rules. much respect for
0: Langsdorf. He's a good man. And- he gets a call from one of his spotter planes up above, and the guy tells him he's like Colonel. Open your video feed. I just
1: want to say because Langsdorf, as the spotter plane, like he's like Colonel Langsdorf. He's just like just recall. Like Langsdorf is like over it. He's like it's it's over. Just come back. And uh, the spotter's like, no, no, you gotta see this.
0: Yeah, it's really like Colonel. You ain't gonna believe this. And he like looks over. And we see what looks like, it's like a geyser of steam and water, like, blasting out of the ground. It's like a hot spring looking. And he's like, weird. This is where I like, he kind of takes a closer look at the image he's getting. And he realizes that there's, like, he can see that there's little ruined buildings at the bottom of the image. And he's like, oh, he he gets a sense of scale. And he's like, oh, no, this thing is, like, huge. And the dude's like, yeah, it's like a, the water jet. It's like 2,000 meters high. It's like 400 meters at the base. And towards like, what? what, what wait, <laughs> where are you seeing this? And the guy tells him that this is what's become of the ruins of Freeport, that old spaceport that's been laying dormant for hundreds of years. The whole thing is like some sort of geyser is like exploding out of the ground. And now we're like, oh, this is why the ground's being all weird we can see the ground is shaking even harder everything is like the earth is like tearing itself apart and this is where i like the guy on the spider plane he tells me he's like sir it's like some body of water underground started turning into steam and this chapter ends like langsdorff's just watching this on his little monitor and the chapter ends with the line the yehudan sea was returning to the light (laughs) so here we are chapter 34 This is uh, Langsdorf. He calls it off, right? We get the ground is shaking, but dude, it's over. The battle's over. over. He called it off. It does look like the ocean is exploding out of the ground, and that might kill all of us. Who knows? But the battle (laughs) is over. (laughs) After all this, we did it. Guys, it's over. (laughs) It's been a hard... It's been tough. It's been a long
2: road. And I like how... This chapter specifically, this is the one that ends everything, the wrap up, the end of the climactic battle. And it wasn't Grayson or the Gray Death Legion that ended everything. They were still in their ride and die mentality. Like, we're just going to go out as the Gray Death Legion, as we know who we are. And it's Langsdorf that makes that call. We've talked about it over the last two chapters. We've built up to this point. And I love in my interpretation of what's going on, as soon as Langsdorf calls that, we get that end of everything. Keith uses the idea of, like, the geyser has exploded. Like, the planet has reached its boiling point. And, like, as we've talked about many times, that the truth was it. And so as soon as the truth came out, that's when everything started blowing up. That's when the, the grounds erupted the battle's over. Everything has come to a head here. It's symbolic,
1: right? Like there's almost like there was like this undercurrent to the story and then this the surface current and like they've kind of came together simultaneously. The payoff here for all of Keith's setup, I think, is phenomenal.
0: Yeah. It's weird. What's going on? I didn't expect this. Right, you're like the battle is called off and it's like, Oh, by the way, uh like the sea, uh, there's like an ocean, it's like exploding and you're like, yeah. Oh, okay. And like it looks like there's like an earthquake and you're like, Oh wow, I, I didn't anticipate natural disaster. <laughs> I was uh, I was like, Oh no. Most never do. Yeah, knew.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah it's you, like a, it's even to the point where you're like, Oh what is happening now? Like, the battle's right. over. We have this giant geyser shooting out of the ground.
1: Keith does a great job here. He's like, yeah, the battle's over, but the tension is still going. Yes. He's like, you have to read the next chapter because you want to know why this is happening.
2: Exactly. And it's like, yeah, we know that next chapter is the last one. So we're <laughs> going to push you through it. And I just feel like it is a good tool. Because I know when I read this, and at this point when the battle's done, Langsdorff has made his call, everybody's retreating, do recalls coming over the radio to say, like, Grayson, we're going to get you out of here. And you're exhausted as yeah. the reader, as you're feeling all of this. You're <laughs> just, you feel like Grayson in the Great Death Legion. You're just like, oh, it's over. Because it's, this has been an emotional
1: finished. roller coaster. Keith all has the way taken through. you on
2: an emotional roller
1: coaster. There's been downs. I was just thinking about when we get inside to the cachet, and Grayson's just standing there, and he's like, "There's nothing." There's all these yep. lows and highs yeah. sprinkled throughout. Anyone with a shred of empathy <laughs> is probably gonna feel it by now. I know I did, and as you said, you have.
0: So the battle is over, but we're not out of it yet. Apparently, we have some uh,
2: geological activity to uh, deal with. But
0: yes, very symbolic. I love it.
2: It's very good. And we'll have to find out how everything concludes in the next chapter.
0: Chapter 35 So, we open the chapter with Rachan screaming. We're back in the cavern. The ground is shaking. He's in serious pain. And the text goes on to explain that Rachan hadn't seen the records of the facility. He couldn't know that when they built the thing, they had to construct a huge system of pipes beneath Freeport to drain the river and reroute all the water into Helm Pit, which is this ancient fault line fissure. And that when Freeport was destroyed, the channels had been opened, and that for three centuries, a small sea had existed at the core of the Nagayan Mountains. It turns out that Major Keeler had considered that someone other than the rightful landholder might attempt to blast their way into the mountain. So he had installed monitoring devices throughout the facility, and that if the facility were breached, It would not be the work of Star League personnel. It would be barbarians. It says that. Barbarians (laughs) who must not be allowed to rifle the storehouse's treasures.
1: More foreshadowing.
0: And so now, deep below the mountain, the fusion reactor was converting the underground sea into steam, and the crust of the planet had begun to move. Isn't this crazy?
1: It is indeed crazy. It makes some sense that they would booby trap it. I'm assuming there must be some way to arm or unarm this because in the event that the facility was being attacked by someone in opposition to the Star League, it probably would have made this fortress not a very good one. And if we recall, that was one of the original
2: uses of this facility. So Mm -hmm.
1: if we assume that's the case, I think this makes some sense.
2: Oh, I took it as it is set up that no matter what happens, no one gets this but Star League or the rightful owners because.
1: Well, yeah, that's what it it says.
2: Yes, uh, but in that same way of like even to their own lives, they would put that risk in there. Sure. Which does say, like, oh, they're lucky a nuke didn't drop that nearby and cause this to go off. <laughs> but <laughs> I, as I read it, I was like, oh, man, what a cool little detail in it. Because the Great Death Legion was so close to blowing these doors. It's yeah. true. We could have had Devil Lear set those charges and then the Gray Death Legion would be finished. And the fact that it's Rachan that blows it. It just comes full circle into what Keith wanted to have done here.
1: It's more symbolism, right?
2: Yeah. The heavy hand destroyed everything.
1: Right.
0: It does mean, though, that none of this was necessary. Rachan could have just sent some guys with some bombs <laughs> down here, blew this wall open, and the whole thing would have taken care of itself. He could have just left. And then people yep. would have been like, oh, well, some kind of weird sinkhole over there. I don't know. <laughs> and then none of this had to
2: happen. Langsdorff would have never known the yeah. truth.
0: she curb your enthusiasm, music.
2: Yeah. The Grey Death Legion would be over.
0: They didn't even need the whole setup there with the false flag and everything. Yep. Yeah. They, uh, this thing was rigged to like collapse on its own. Like it's, uh, it's just it, so it funny. It seems it's like, like wow.
1: literally a, a couple of pounds of C4. Yeah. And yeah. the problem would have been all over.
0: <laughs> but Rachan could not know any of this. All he knows is that the cavern was collapsing around him. He did, however weakened the structure when he ordered the support struts cut and when he ordered the archer to tear down the wall so the earthquake shattered the last of the aligned crystal steel braces and sent 10 million tons of granite toppling and the roar of tortured rock continued long after it had cut off the man's single sharp scream so yeah eat it loser (laughs) he gets crushed by rocks i was like nice here at the very end it's like i wonder how Rachan's gonna get his he gets
2: crushed by rocks i like how keith in this example has continued to like evolve his style because in the last book we've got nagomu's end where sue ellen like walks in and she's in her unhinged mode and it's like oh nagomu met his end to sue ellen but and this one, I like how he set all this up to have Rachan die in his goal. All of this from the setup reflects his destruction started with his idea. Yeah. His lie. Yeah. And he dies in the exact thing that he's trying to accomplish. He dies for the lie. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. But in that he's failed every single part of it. Except for destroying what's left of the cache, and it's his end. And I love that. I I thought it was a very satisfying resolution to killing off Rachan.
1: I agree.
0: We go straight from the scene of Rachan getting crushed by the rocks to the dropships heading outbound from Helm. And we see Grayson is up here. He's walking around with Laurie and Allard King. All the people, they have all their stuff. They loaded it up. They're leaving. This is, they're like gone. They're like off planet. We cut to them. They're like already on the dropships. And Grayson's walking around. He's checking on everyone. He's talking to a group of refugees. And Adept Larrabee steps up. And Grayson tells him, oh yeah, I heard that you were the one who found Allard and got him on the dropship. I wanted to thank you personally. And this is where we also learn that he saved Larrabee on his way out. Allard brings up that... All of them, like Allard King and Janice and that young corporal, Nick, they were like holding on for their life, right? Everything was shaking They're on the side of the mountain and Larrabee found them and rescued them. And so that's nice. So Larrabee totally ends up saving Allard King and Janice Taylor and them. So that's cool, right? And Grayson's talking to Larrabee and he's like, you know, I don't agree with what Comstar did on Helm, but, you know, I appreciate that you helped us. And then Larrabee... Tells him, you shouldn't judge Comstar by the actions of this one man, Colonel. We're not that bad. And, you know, they have this little conversation. Grayson asks him, you know, was he working alone? Was he a rogue agent? Was this not a Comstar? And, I mean, Larrabee tells him, he's like, I don't know. It's hard to say, but he's having a hard time believing that the order that he dedicated his life to would have done something like this. He can't reconcile, like, the Comstar in his head with... What happened here? We
1: do also get where he kind of hits him with, he says we're not that bad, and then Grayson hits him with, well, there's some people on Sirius 5 that would say to the contrary, as well as all the people that died here, which I think, just like what Langsdorf did, Grayson's thought process here is, you know, he's just groveling in all of the lives lost, which I think in kind shows where Grayson's heart lies in this matter
0: yeah oh don't forget he also brings up he says the people on sirius five would disagree and it also doesn't help and he names again morley Brodenson, delaney or the others who died so we have one more mention of delaney and the two stinger pilots don't forget you know never forget
2: never forget our d-lister nominations
0: <laughs> but larabee swears to him that he's going to go back to the command and he's going to clear his name
1: grayson's like that's nice I'm glad you're going to do that. He's so empty. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. And he tells him that if the plot was concocted by someone higher up in Comstar, they'll never admit it, but they'll find other scapegoats, Clyder, Garth, but Larrabee like tightens his fist and he's like, I swear I will speak with my superiors and they'll support the the theory that Rachan was an isolated madman, but you Colonel, he'll no longer be considered a renegade. And yeah, Grayson's like, that's great. But it doesn't really help all these people that died, like Brent said. But then Larrabee's like, but never forget the living, Colonel. There are always the living. It does give us a little sentence here. Romaj, don't forget, Romaj is alive. He's now recovering. He's in the doctor's office. We see Clay is reunited with his wife and son. Janice Taylor is here. Lori, you know, I feel like the camera is like sweeping across the... Room, and you see, like, all the characters. Like, you see Delmar Clay with his arm in, like, a sling.
1: It does the at the end of the kiss, kiss, bang, bang. Yeah. All the characters are, like, out, and you can see them all, like, they're all okay. Kind
2: of. <laughs> they're banged up, but they're still here.
0: Larrabee tells him, You know, I know about your plan to spread that data across the stars. And he's like, I'm not going to get in your way. He agrees with him, basically. Larrabee's like, Maybe that'll make it right. I just wish I knew. And the chapter ends with Larrabee. He gets the final line here. He's just like, I just wish I knew whether that by helping you spread that data, I'd be helping to make up for the evil done by the mad renegade or my order, or whether it'll make me the renegade. And you're like, oh yeah, I guess if they find out that Larrabee didn't, you know, like facilitated the spread of this data, Comstar would probably be very upset with him. That's a good point. But he's just trying this best. This really, this final chapter here, it's mostly this conversation with Larrabee and Grayson and Larrabee trying his best to like make it right or like convince him. It is funny. We get so much about Larrabee here. We learn so much. He's just like this young guy and he really believes in Comstar. But he also
1: believes in what's doing what he thinks is right. And again, we see a character in pairing with Langsdorf that is willing to do the right thing or what he thinks is right in lieu of the
2: consequences. But I also like how this wraps up, tonally similar to Mercenary Star, where Grayson is the one outside of how all the interested parties are trying to resolve this in their own way and instead of it being a discussion of giving up the freedom and the lives that were lost during the fight, it's more grace and kind of sitting here thinking about what was the point of all this?
1: Yeah. Well, I would offer a slightly different explanation though, not to say that yours is incorrect, but it's these three characters as the curtains close, they're all trying to figure out what really happened. Yeah. The truth of this. And like, how deep do these rotten roots run? Yeah. And so it, you're right, it it does mirror Mercenary Star in that it's like it's a little bittersweet. There are more questions, even though we now have more answers.
0: Yeah, it doesn't end with some victorious. It's literally like you get to this final chapter, and it's just this young, low-ranking Comstar member trying to reconcile his idea of the organization with what he has learned about what Ooh. happened here. And he's just like stumbling with it. It's like the Larrabee chapter. And I was like, Oh, <laughs> interesting. This is interesting. It's just a guy wrestling with a, like the idea of Comstar. And I'm like this, the ideals of Comstar. Yeah. And you're like, Oh, good point. It's like the first time R Comstar gets really involved in these books. They do. They've done something like horrible. They're like the worst villains we've encountered so far. And it's like supposedly this like benevolent organization or whatever. That's what Larrabee wants to believe. Now he's like, oh man, are we the bad guys? Basically, it's just him struggling. It's sad.
2: I can't imagine that's going to be a theme we run into again throughout these next 100 books we'll cover that somebody has to wrestle with the idea of, are we the bad guys?
0: Yeah. And also it sets up from here it's like if you're reading through these books you now know that Comstar you know there's something going on there basically we've mm-hmm. like he peels back the curtain a little bit and it's like see there's some weird stuff going on in here and uh, keep that in mind they're not just innocent
1: space wizards that control all communication
0: yeah, yeah. <laughs> who would have thought the space wizards would be up to something <laughs> and yeah it is kind of bittersweet it is we're on the dropship. he's looking around the gangs here but yeah, we do learn that Larrabee, uh, you know, he knows about the data and he's he's going to assist him as well. That's how the chapter ends, is Larrabee being like, I'm going to help you. I think it's the right thing to do, even if it makes me the renegade.
1: So the implication here is that there's information in this library that is very advanced for... It's a lot of things that humanity have has lost, right? And so the idea here, to kind of provide some more context, is that... Grayson, and by extension Larrabee, and even Duke Recall all see that the only way that this information can be a good thing is if it's proliferated amongst everyone, all of the successor states, the periphery. Basically, the goal is to get this information out to everyone, as to not have any particular great house or entity To have a monopoly and therefore to hold kind of a higher power over another. I agree. I think this is the move. I think Grayson did the best thing he could. I was specifically talking about warfare here, but by extension, this information also is going to trickle down to... The entities that are not part of the armed forces of these successor states, right? That means hospitals are going to get some of this information. That means, you know, scientists are going to get some of this information. So by doing this, there's like the maximum benefit to the people of the inner sphere with the minimal benefit to the actual Governments and leaders of the successor states, because the balance between them is maintained as the uh, old axiom goes, information is ammunition.
2: And it was the greatest good that could come out of all the terrible things that happened through through the Price of Glory.
1: I agree. And so I like to think that even though this is just a fantasy story about stompy robots, that like we get even with. All the confusion here at the end, like the people that died at the hands of this plot and in the fighting, they didn't die for anything. So it does, as much as it can, sweeten the pot here at the end. Yeah, Helm Memory Core, dude. (laughs) The Helm Memory Core. It is a milestone in the Battletech story. And we're going to come back and talk about how crucial the events of this book are and how they echo throughout the
2: rest of Battletech history. Seriously. We will,
1: we will be back here talking about this.
2: That is something Brent, you made sure to bookmark in the very first book we were talking about. You said at decision of Thunder Rift, he's like, I just want you to keep in mind that these are the events that kick off something that we're going to talk about over and over and over again. As we are covering these books in the future. So that's going to be something I'm excited to see is like, how many times do we come back to this trilogy and say like, if somebody had done anything different, if Grayson hadn't dressed up like a homeless person and covered himself in mud yeah. with alcohol bottles, that <laughs> the universe would be different. It's true. Yeah,
0: Grayson went to hang out with Mara instead of doing <laughs> his job and now we're proliferating data throughout the universe <laughs> <atmosphere>. Yeah, <laughs> like That's... Things
1: got a little out of hand. Yeah, things got a little out of hand. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think that uh, about wraps it up. Oh, wait, we've got one more thing,
0: don't we? Yeah, we've got an epilogue uh, to cover. The epilogue. Yeah, the book is not over. There is, we do get a little bit of, yeah, we do have a short epilogue after this.
2: And we'll wrap everything up in the epilogue.
0: The epilogue. The epilogue opens with, "I love this line." Grayson never did learn whether Edip Larrabee became a renegade fighter or a renegade, but we learned that Percenter Rachon was declared an outlaw. Right by Comstar, they disavowed his actions. They put out a press release. You see him with all the microphones. <laughs> some wizard comes out. <laughs> yeah. I imagine some wizard, but it, it feel like the scene I saw. Like a, it's like an NBA coach after a particularly bad <laughs> playoff exit.
2: We did what we thought was best at the time. <laughs> yeah, we trusted our players. He we, was uh, a
1: lone wolf acting yeah. alone.
2: It is no way indicative of the order. We're we're returning back to our fundamentals. Yeah. Which is, you know, hoarding knowledge, yeah. and <laughs> so, yeah.
1: and subtly controlling all of
0: you. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> they claimed that the tragedy on Sirius Five was a result of a madman's megalomania and the corruption of a small clique of Merrick Nobles and officers. And we also learned that it came to public knowledge that Garth and Clyder were behind this plot to overthrow Janos Merrick. We knew a little bit about this; it had been mentioned earlier, and how. It says specifically here, General Clyder specifically was implicated in the conspiracy to work with Lord Garth to overthrow Janos Merrick. And, oh, I love this. Their plot failed when unknown sources, widely suspected but never proven to have been Comstar agents, alerted Merrick to the plot. (laughs) So Garth gets captured, tried, and executed. And then it says that General Clyder escaped with a handful of mechs and men. And was not seen again.
1: We're in it. Ah, uh, yes.
0: Thank so you, Keith, I, yeah, for getting us I, a title card here. Thank you. I clapped when I saw it.
1: <laughs> it says
0: that, and we learned that Grayson and Duke recall they traveled out, but eventually they parted ways. Right, the Deimos and Phobos. Oh, they were. Yes, we get reunited with Captain Tor with the Invidious. We don't get a tour hey. scene. I was sad. I realized we uh, we don't get a tour yeah, scene. We just get a mention. We don't. But you know he was happy.
2: Oh, you know he had some stuff to say, too. There's my boy.
0: There was a whole scene yeah. in my head. I like. I just had to do it myself, right? I just like daydreamed.
2: <laughs> like, yeah.
0: Taurus showing up. Like, what happened?
2: <laughs> Guys are looking a little rough.
0: Yeah. A
1: lot of trouble just for a planet to call your own, eh? Yeah.
0: yeah. It says that Recall, as he gave his word, he split some of the loot with Grayson. It says that there were a- enough mechs to fill out three companies plus spares and repair materials to fully refit the A-Company, and then Duke Recall is like, cool, here's your half, I'm gone. Oh, I love this little dialogue here, though, right before they part ways. I love, I just imagine the scene of them, like, shaking hands, and, like, Recall, you know, like, gripping his hand, like, and he's like, I imagine we will meet the Guinness enemies. It is inevitable, and I suppose, who knows, I could always use a good mercenary regiment in my employ, with a commander I can trust. You're like, oh, man, wouldn't that be cool if they go to work for Duke Recall? But Grayson's like, uh, you know, I'll think about it. I don't know. Like, eh. it's
2: like, <laughs> I'm, so- I'm sorry, Duke. <laughs> Quickly
0: heads yeah. towards Lyran space.
2: <laughs> I'm sorry, Duke, but I just don't see politics being in the future of the Great Athlete. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you learn that, you know, they made a bunch of copies of the library. Once they got up on the jump ship, they could like make more copies They send him out. Tor has a bunch of merchant friends. They give copies to everyone. Immediately, they start making more copies and and trying to get it around. Grayson says, you know, he does his best. We get a little, uh, like, paragraph here where he's just like, you know, is it going to help? Maybe the rediscovered farming methods, the manufacturing processes. Perhaps man's lot would improve and the long, dark slide into feudalism would be arrested,
2: even reversed. That'd be cool. (laughs) Pretty ambitious, Grayson.
1: We get a little wisdom for Grayson, which is he does his best, and then he goes, "There it is. I've done what I can," and he releases like any more burden on himself. Where yeah. he's like, "I did my part." It's, he releases it's up to the everyone else.
2: and then yeah, he immediately thinks about like, "Well, I've released it, and now it's up to mankind to find value in it. I've done all I could here, and I it like really that. He yeah.
0: truly has incredible work, and." Oh, and then we have the final scene. Final scene of the book, <laughs> final scene of the trilogy. It's Grayson and Lori. They're in the ship's lounge, right? They're floating around, weightless stars shining through the windows. The jump sail has been pulled in. They're talking about we learn that they have a new contract with Katrina Steiner and that uh luckily this didn't after their name was clear, their reputation's better than ever. They went from being like, "Oh, I heard these, new, you know, these guys are on the come up," to being like, "Oh, they're war criminals. They should be destroyed." To now, everyone's like, "No, they weren't war criminals. They fought a losing battle and then came out on the other end. So now their reputation—it turns out—it's better than ever, right? They're doing good. <laughs> but you know, we get Grayson, Laurie there in the lounge. It does say it's like, you know, he's the only one. There are perks of being a colonel, after all. Yeah, no one else gets to use the lounge alone for this
2: long at the time. (laughs) They can't lock the doors.
0: No, he But I can. Yeah. (laughs) His lips found Lori's, and they kissed in a long and deep embrace while drifting in the afterglow of their lovemaking. So, uh... There you go, Brent. Yeah, dude.
1: I guess Grayson's not a virgin after all. But I guess we did. You know, we can assume...
0: (laughs) From the very first couple chapters, yes. So, yeah, they're having a good time. In the last scene, they're just holding each other, right? They're in the ship's lounge. We get the shot. We're looking out at the stars. Grayson is reflecting. He's like, I was certain I was going to die, that there was no way out. Call it luck or destiny. It had brought me so far from Trelwan. Yet were not luck and destiny his to make and shape for himself? They were not outside forces to be waited on or relied upon. Not as he relied on the people around him. And he smiled, remembering the words of the old warrior's song. And I like it does. So we get a verse of Home is the Regiment here at the very end. I don't think he sings it. He just thinks it right. Like Lori's looking at him and he's like staring off and uh, he's just thinking about that song and he's holding Lori and she looks at him and he looks at her and he's like, I was just thinking how good it is to be home.
1: I will say in the audio book, this version of Home is the Regiment goes Real hard. Yeah. I Every time I'm like that one gif of like that dude like crying but jamming out, you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Shout outs to Robert Austin James. Yeah. Again, Uh for the beautiful rendition of Home is the Regiment, especially the one that goes
2: extra hard at the end here. I felt like as we wrap this, or as we wrap the whole trilogy here, I was like, I'm going to miss Grace. I'm going to miss the Rad Squad. All of them. I I will say, this is not the
1: last we see of Grayson. It's just Mm -hmm. the last we see of him for a little bit.
2: Yes. Yeah, I do know there's some more books to come for them in the future. And I'm looking forward to seeing them again. Because through the first book, there's this kind of goofiness in Grayson that we made fun of. Plenty. There's the growth in Mercenary Star. Then there's the bonding that you get to do the emotional downturns that you get to go through them with in the price of glory and in the end i just feel like it would be so hard not to root for the Grey death legion all the way through it's true uh, you feel like this could be a unit that you can come back to when you're thinking about BattleTech units all the time and be like i love all these people yeah we
1: spend such intimate time with them
2: yeah which is really we don't
1: we do and we don't get this level of intimacy again. But we get to see Grayson from kind of this childlike state to really coming into his own. Yeah, And you can't help, but... You, you came into this, you're a perfect example. You know, you came into this kind of like, oh, these goofy, rompy, stompy robot books. And, yeah. Uh, and here you are just like, man... Grayson, right?
2: Grayson, (laughs) Ramage, Delmar Clay, McCall, all these people you get to know so well.
1: It's true. Keith
2: gives them all a chance to be center stage and to get to know them.
1: We're currently in the Ilkhan era and I do hope and I believe Catalyst will, they they seem like they're trying to reset things from post-Dark Age and I really do hope That we, maybe not even with the Great Death Legion, but we get some story with this level of intimacy again out of them. I'd love to see it anyway.
2: Yeah, I can't wait to get more stories from them. But it also opens up the excitement of Keith did such a good job of laying the Battletech universe out on the table for the other authors that are going to come from this to start pulling from.
1: He did. He did a good job. He had not nothing... But it turns out Keith actually helped some bit with like source books and things. I, I wasn't aware of this when we started this whole ordeal, how much he was involved. But, you know, at the end of the day, as far as the fiction's concerned, as we've said, almost at nauseum, he built the foundation and the house everything sits on. Mm-hmm. And we're going to see that it's going to allow other authors to come in and quickly run with things in an amazing manner. And I'm very excited with what we have coming up.
2: Yeah, and we'll have a lot more opportunity to talk about that next week when we deep dive a little bit further into the whole book, the whole trilogy, when we cover the remembrance for Absolutely. this. This
1: is also last call for any kind of emails, notes, feedback,
2: trivia questions, etc., Or how you felt about these trilogies. Absolutely. How you feel about the Great Death Legion. Absolutely. Feel free to shoot that over to us in email, Twitter, or Instagram, because we do want to cover those and give people the chance to see how outside of us, the Great Death Legion has impacted their love of Battletech as well.
1: Or the contrary. Maybe you don't feel as gushingly optimistic and as loving about the Grey Death Legion. Mm-hmm. You know, we want to read your thoughts in the remembrance. So,
2: absolutely. Please send them in. Please. And it's a brief note before we let you all go here. We did want to take a moment and point out that a hero of the podcast, you know, we shout him out as many times as we can. Trend Sparks is hosting a charity stream. Over on Twitch this weekend, so if you are listening the week this comes out, please go check that out. Trin sent us over a voice message, so we'll go ahead and let him take it away. Thank you guys for giving me this opportunity to talk about the charity fundraiser that we're doing over Memorial Day weekend. It's
0: called ArvCon. It is at twitch.tv/slash elaron We will probably give you the link somewhere. And uh, if not, just follow me on Twitter and you'll see it. I'll tweet about it there and everything. And we are raising money for the Damon Runyon Cancer Research Foundation because cancer is just a horrible monster that has taken probably
2: somebody from just about every single one of us. And it would be awesome to be able to stop it. It seems like it's going to be an amazing time and a good cause to go check out. So please go support Trin and his streaming crew over at Twitch. I'm going to make sure we have the links in the episode description. So make sure to follow Trin on Twitter and their Twitch channel. Thank you all so much. And we'll see you next week as we start the remembrance. This was of Mex and men.
0: I am Canaan Hill. I was joined by my two good friends, Brent and Aaron. We would like to thank the author, William H. Keith Jr. As always. And of course, all the other writers and Artists who work so hard to keep Battletech alive. We would like to thank Catalyst Game Labs for being such generous stewards to the property. We have an email, as you mentioned, advice at heat.management. Please, especially if you have uh, any thoughts or um, if you have any comments, questions, complaints, corrections, again, the email is advice at heat. Dot management.
1: We're also on Instagram and Twitter. Please send us stuff on there as well. Don't feel like you have to write out a whole email.
0: Yes, exactly. We are at of Men on the social media platforms. Yes, please feel free to message us there as well. But yeah, this was The Price of Glory. This was the Great Death Legion trilogy. And we will, of course, be doing a Remembrance episode after this where we will discuss, you know, closing thoughts on the book and the trilogy. And uh, I'm very excited. You know, we'll do our thing. I'm excited. This was great. We'd love to hear from you. If you have anything you'd like to say, uh, give us an email. Give us a message. And uh, we'd love to talk about it. No. Oh, and uh, please feel free uh, to leave us a review. We're on all the major podcast platforms. Give us a review. It always helps. But yeah, thank you so much for joining us. We'll see you next week on The Remembrance.
1: And remember, kids, every moment here is a moment to do the right thing. So try your best.
2: That's right. See you next week. Say la.